Welcome, everyone, to The Whole Truth. We're really excited because today our guest is Mary Mock. Mary is an executive at our firm. Prior to this, she was one of the most successful wholesalers we had at Touchstone. And just a quick refresher on Supernova. If you listen to our series on building a service model, we focus on what can be described as the standard case. Whatever number of households you have, whatever your book looks like, how we can build a minimum standard of care for those clients. Well, Supernova is different. It's a way to really think about right-sizing your book to be able to deliver a superior level of service to every household on the same level. You can't do that with 250 households per financial professional. It just doesn't work. And the underlying key is that it's all about growth. Because a funny thing happens sometimes when you get right-sized. You're in a much better position to grow and do so with the right clients. As always, you can reach out to us at the whole truth at touchstonefunds.com. Please also subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. So without further ado, here's our conversation on Supernova with Mary Mock. The views expressed herein are those of the participants and not those of Touchstone Investments. And welcome, everybody, to The Whole Truth from the Bay Area, California. I am Steve Side, and I am joined, by always, by my partner, my friend, the man, Kurt Dupuy. How are you, Kurt? Side, I am doing better than I deserve. We're really, really excited to have Mary Mock on the show. She is a fireball of energy, ideas, and positivity. She may be the most likable person I know, a woman who makes everyone around her better. She had, she's had and continues to have a monumental impact on the careers of Kurt and I, and I'm 95% positive that the movie Something About Mary was written about her. She is <laughs> Mary Mock. Welcome. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you both so much. I am both not deserving of that, but so very appreciative. So you guys are the best. Well, let me give some backstory on you two since neither one of you are going to do it yourselves. And the backstory is that what we do as a firm around practice management has really been spearheaded by two of the three people that are on this podcast, and you could probably guess which two those are. So if you go back a handful of years, and, and these are these are my words, not anybody else's, but it's taking a little bit of the mad scientist of Mary with some of the tech savvy and process oriented thinking of uh, side and put them together, which is what we call the practice and uh, practice analysis review today. So something that has no parallel in the business was really the brainchild of you two guys. And that has set our, our firm uh, and, and definitely my career on a different path, which uh, in some you know weird familial way is the birth of this podcast. So can I, am I allowed to jump in now? You can jump in whenever because you'd like. I'm going to, I think. Um, so that's actually really interesting. And so my version of this particular story goes that when I was wholesaling, especially in 2008 and periods of time 
times where advisors were really focused on, uh, you know, their concerns over the market. They were reactive to clients. They were in a position where disruption was happening all around them, and they were open to new ideas. You know, the traditional method of walking in, pitching a product, and hoping that something stuck really both wasn't advantageous to the advisor but truly represented a really old school way of wholesaling that both didn't work, but really wasn't the right way to form and forge relationships going forward. And so I will say that, yes, there is some truth that working through practice analysis was something that was more innate to me because of my experience in training and development. But what I was doing was really ad hoc, and it was just taking data that was available and making random observations that I thought could help advisors really knowing enough to be dangerous and where Steve was both so brilliant and very helpful was he has this innate ability to take that and to organize it and to extrapolate from that something that's actionable, that's process oriented, and that is is able to be replicated. And so together, I think we were a really interesting and dynamic sort of starting point for something that's extremely valuable, very actionable, and is is something that advisors today need now more than ever. For the audience who doesn't, you know, have a huge background on what we're talking about, practice management at our firm, it's in a process and a, and a, a value add called PAR, which is our practice analysis review. So that's what they're referring to. And I, I agree with um, with both of what you just said. And thank you for the kind words. It, it, for me, it's just stealing from Mary, and I've been making a career out of that, and I will continue. To, to do that going forward because it's uh, you and me both. Brother. Yeah. You just, you just kind of let her throw stuff in the universe. And if you can kind of harness that and capture it, you're going to be okay. Um, so transitioning, we want to talk about this idea of supernova. So maybe we'll just start jumping into that and hearing you comment. So maybe give us a little bit of the background of supernova. I'm talking about the base case. Where did it come from? Right. So it, it's actually an excellent segue Uh, Rob Knapp was uh, a divisional manager at Merrill Lynch for years in the Indiana market, top producer, really competitive. Um, They're coming off of, you know, a period of time where there were money markets that were yielding, you know, 22% at one point, like these crazy high numbers. And clients were, were lined up around the corner to become clients of Merrill Lynch. And what happened over time was that advisors found that clients who weren't having an exceptional experience were dissatisfied, were not staying with the firm. Um, And when the environment changed, it became sort of an apparent need reactively, unfortunately, for advisors to wake up and realize that clients needed more than good investments. They needed a strong experience, a deep relationship with their advisors, and they wanted more. And so Rob was really adept at at helping to extrapolate um, some information that ultimately became part of a tool and a process that's known as supernova. My basic uh, debrief of supernova is kind of two ideas. One is you have to get smaller to get larger because growth is the key. If you're not growing, you're dying. That's a critical point of all of this. But also from a client service perspective, everyone gets a first class experience. There's no first class as business class coach. Everyone is treated the same because you're your business is tight enough that you can do that. And if they're not, then you develop a, another team or another ecosystem by which those clients can be serviced. You don't just throw them off into the abyss. So it's growth is the key and 
there is a flat service structure, two really big elements of that, I think. Yeah. So, you know, you've got all these advisors that what they've done over the past few decades was just add more and more and more and more and more clients. So what you were left with was a situation where advisors had way too many households to give really exceptional service. Is that fair? Absolutely. And, and what they were doing was spending time running the entire practice as opposed to being the expert on wealth management and bringing in new clients. They were doing and touching every little piece. Yeah. And so he's observing this situation. He's seeing an industry that's watching client service deteriorate. He's seeing a lot of households. And then what does he do? So they did these client surveys in the late 80s, early 90s, and clients said like, meh, we're okay. Like, it's not a great experience. It's okay. We don't dislike our, our advisor. We don't dislike the firm. But his advisors who were really top producers scored really low on client service and overall happiness. And so he decided there's no way that he's going to end up at the bottom of the rankings. I mean, like he's a former Navy pilot. He's super competitive. And so he devised a way for advisors to give their clients exceptional service. And it was 12, 4, 2, 12 contacts. So 12 monthly contacts, um, you know, four quarterly reviews. And two of those are going to be in-person 60-minute meetings. And so the advisors deployed that. I mean, and to do and to run financial plans for each client. And advisors worked really hard to deploy that. Their numbers skyrocketed. And then over time, the numbers started to decline again. And what they found was it's because the advisors were exhausted. You can't give such an in-depth experience to 400 clients. You can't give it to 200 clients. They didn't know what the right number was, but they knew it wasn't 400. They knew it wasn't 200. And they set out on a quest to determine what the right size of a practice might be to be able to be manageable and to give clients an exceptional experience. And that's where it all started. It was about segmenting and servicing clients. So that's interesting. So it's it's it started with the experience that they wanted to get to. And then figuring out how many clients they could actually do that for that was rational. Right. And then there was an advisor named George Kemp. And and this is all from the original Supernova book. Um, and so this was maybe early 90s at this point. George Kemp went back and said, look, I'm I'm killing myself trying to do all of this, but I believe in it. And I want to do what's right by clients. And so he went back and he created what were those 11 screeners that you've seen and that at some point you guys modified into, a, I think, an even more manageable list, right? Um, and he screened his book of, I think, 450 plus clients. And of those, let's say, 400 plus clients, the number of clients who actually hit all 11 screens, and they were quantitative and qualitative, were 33. So of his entire book of business, he looked at basically 33 clients who were these really amazing optimal clients. Now, it's not fair to say to, you know, that person should pair out 300 odd clients in order to net down to 33. And of course, Rob didn't suggest that he do that. But what began was a process by which in rank order, George paired out those relationships that were both 
demanding, didn't take his advice, were unprofitable, and created a liability to his practice. And in this Reg BI fiduciary DOL world, uh, that's something now more than ever that advisors need to pay attention to. And so that's where it started. And it's evolved into many different things, which I'm happy to go into with you. But the main impetus was, how do you give clients an exceptional experience to help them reach their goals who are enthusiastically enamored with the work that you do and who will lead you to other people who then will, will fill your book of business with that similar kind of person. And the approach is do what's right by clients, always do what's right by clients. Don't be afraid to let go of people who aren't the right fit. The rest will write itself over time. And that's exactly what has happened. It's simple, but it's really not easy. Well, when I, when I was first understanding this concept, I'm thinking to myself, okay, trimming down the book, that's, that's got to be hard for a lot of FAs. But when you see the results of what actually happened when they did it, it was pretty profound. So it wasn't just, okay, we're going to give better uh, experience to our clients and that's going to be great and that's fun and everyone's enjoyable and I have a manageable life and I can go play golf. Some pretty profound results happen, right? Right, because it's, and ultimately how it became supernova is it's that theory that in order to expand, you have to shrink and contract. And so advisors grew up on this philosophy that, you know, you throw spaghetti on the wall and it's six and that anybody who came into the practice, they couldn't afford not to, to, to asset gather. Right. And so what ends up happening is you put together a book of clients some of whom represent the ideal client and those with whom you can actually help the most. And some of those clients aren't that. They are, they might not even be clients. They might be customers. They might be a, a liability. They might be someone who has a one-off stock position, et cetera. And so, so by doing right by the clients and providing exceptional customer service, what they found was it helped advisors frame really the way they should deliberately run their practice. And so if you are brave enough to shrink, and it doesn't mean pairing people that are relevant out of the book or taking a huge revenue hit, but being brave enough to know that getting rid of those clients that don't represent those who resonate with you or with whom you resonate or who are, as you define your true client, minimum potential, all of those good things, by pairing those out of the book, one has a true opportunity to grow deliberately. And that's what happened. This stuff does work. If you have the stomach for it, if you have the vision for it, um, contracting and being an intentional with your client experience, which is something I'm slowly becoming obsessed with, um, it, it, it will have impactful results in the, in the not so, not, not, not so long term. We don't sit down and say, okay, Mr. Advisor, you got to cut out 200 of your clients. We don't say that. But if you help an advisor structure their process, set true minimums, and think about who the optimal client is, as an advisor brings in and acquires a client that is the model person they'd like to work with, two-legged or otherwise, then it makes sense to potentially pair out or call from the book that bottom person who isn't the right fit. So we run, and we've talked about the practice analysis review tool that we have. 
we run a program where we've analyzed more than 2,000 books of businesses of financial advisors, both sole practitioners and teams across the country. And what we relatively find is this, on average, the retail advisor has a third of their book of business that comprises the bottom 4% of their revenue. So in theory, or said another way, not that we ever ask clients or advisors to do this, but an advisor could, in theory, call the bottom third of their book and only impact their revenue by 4%. So there is an innate fear of letting go of assets because as an industry, we've paid advisors and we've set it up such that assets under management are a really relevant component to revenue. When in reality, there are many advisors with a smaller book who have higher revenue objectives that are doing right by clients that run financial plans that are holistic financial advisors who are much more profitable than advisors who have a much larger book of business who have, have a, lar a lower return on assets who aren't modern wealth advisors who manage that person's holistic financial well-being beyond the investment side of things and who a is out of time during their day who's frazzled and who can't service the 20 percent of their clients that comprise the majority of both their assets and revenue it's it's a doom loop that advisors in my opinion are not in a position to be able to sustain for a long period of time yeah i really like doom loop that's that's really good We've talked about it a lot here and how I think few people know how many clients actually make up that, that, that bottom portion. I think that's interesting. Rob makes an interesting point in, a, in, his, in his book talking about the difference between discipline and ritual. Right. Um, and, and just me from my personality, I know trying to implement something new and taking discipline, it's, it's sometimes a struggle. But the idea of ritual and small incremental changes over time is more manageable and leads to better results. Right. Is that something that he talks a lot about a lot in his coaching? Yeah, so plan process and ritual are things that are really important in every facet of our life. It's that theory that, listen, after like the fifth or sixth time, I know how to work out at the gym, but why does it matter that I have a trainer? A lot of that is the accountability that goes along with it. And so where, where coaching or where accountability uh, plays an important role in the advisor's execution um, is really because when you've got someone for whom you have to explain your results or show output to, uh, we tend to, to have better behavior. And the more you have discipline, the more you repeat things, um, the more likely it is that it becomes a habit over time. I have a friend who's a Navy SEAL and he's always like, look, people don't go to the gym because of any reason other than it's the unfortunate desire for discipline, right? Yeah. And why they continue to go over time is that it becomes a ritual to them. So if you have a plan, if you have a process, and if you have a ritual or the discipline by which you repeat that process, it sticks over time. And, and listen, 
I, I, I really am a huge fan of supernova. I don't think it's the only way. I, I don't believe that all advisors fit into a box where they have to follow just one particular plan. But what I really like about it is it's a process. It is actionable. It is surgical in its approach and it's repeatable. There's a, a quote from a show called Modern Family, which, which my wife and I used to really enjoy. And there was a whole episode around the idea that people can change but only about 10%. <laughs> so, I mean, we, right, we're, we're all um, able to adapt and change and, and deploy new rituals, but it's really tough because at the end of the day, we are who we are. We've been doing our, our, our thing for a long time. And if you're an advisor, how have you been incentivized to change? Market action has buffered your returns, right? Your income's been, as a mostly fee-based advisor, pretty strong, right? I mean, what... What reason have we given advisors post-2008 to do anything any differently than they're doing now? Yeah, that's a fair point. Let's bring it up to the to the summary because I want to make sure that I'm capturing that. So when I think of Supernova, what I think of is paring down the book and giving everybody a universally the same experience. But you've, you've talked about and brought it up a little bit wider in terms of process. So it's it's not just those things. It's also developing processes in your business to make things run consistently. Is that fair or did I mischaracterize that? No, that's very fair. And part of it is if you think of the practice as a triangle, right, where the advisor's at the top of that pyramid and the CSA sits on the lower rung, it makes sense. And part of the process of supernova is inverting that and flipping it on its head. And let me tell you why. So for example, let's use the dentist analogy. When you go to the dentist, who's the person that greets you? Is it the dentist? I never see that dude. Ever. Right. Yeah. You Does he exist? A- Except when he drills. I have a question for you. Do <laughs> dentists really exist or is they? Is this a thing? Do they just not exist at all? Not if you have perfect is teeth like, like you, yeah, Steve. Yeah, I guess. Do they? <laughs> dental, Thank you. Dental unicorns? Are there dental unicorns? Yeah. Do dentists I think exist? they are. Yeah. <laughs> that could be our, our next podcast. So you go to the dentist, it's the administrator who meets you, right? The person who checks you in, the one who potentially calls you and reminds you about the appointment. You meet with him or her, they call your name, you go back. The person you spend the lion's share of your time talking to while they are cleaning your teeth is the hygienist, right? The dentist comes in, they spend a few minutes with you, look in your mouth. What are they looking for? Mine's always just trying to convince me to do Invisalign. I don't know what they look for. <laughs> They're looking for opportunity, right? Yeah. Oh, there you go. You need a crown. You've got a filling that needs to be replaced, right? Think about it. They're running a business. They're looking for opportunity. Okay. So is the dentist the person who checks you out when you leave, who sets up your next appointment? No. Who takes your cash? No. So of that entire experience, who's the person you've likely spent the most time with? The hygienist first, the administrator second, the dentist last, right? Because the people who are not the top of the food chain are running the business. The dentist is the owner of the practice. Advisors need to do the same thing. The advisor is the person who comes in, who makes sure your financial plan meets your needs, who manages the wealth relationship, who understands your long-term goals, who forges a solid relationship with you. But it's 
the CSA who schedules the meetings that you have. It's the CSA who's responsible for organizing and making sure that the advisor has the tools that he or she needs in order to deploy successfully. It's the analyst, if it's a team, who's double checking the performance for the the modules or for the models rather. It's the if you have a financial planner, it's the para planner or the financial planner who's running the plan. But my point is only that if the financial advisor is spending all of their time managing and running the practice versus empowering their employees to do the things that are right for the business, they're taking from themselves the only finite thing that they have in life, and that is time. That's interesting. So th- there's all these components you're sharing. Um that makes Supernova kind of a long, a bigger process, not just like, hey, trim the book. There's all these things that go into it. It's a it's kind of a full um, program, if you will. So let me ask you a couple of questions about it. Um, why are you intellectually drawn to it? There was something about this. You know, you've been out coaching people f- and and fi- finding things and fixing problems for so long. What was it about it that made sense to you? So the first thing was the natural dovetail to growth. So when we look at practice analysis and we use the data from firms to give the advisor a snapshot of information about their practice in terms of scalability, efficiency, and profitability, and then defensibility, once we help the advisor sort of clean out their proverbial closets, right? Great. We get through that. Well, then what? right? What are the next steps to help an advisor grow? And Supernova's approach to giving clients an unbelievably differentiated and exceptional experience is really the next step in that. And so that was always really interesting to me. The other thing that I think I like the most about it is I attend so many industry seminars that for me, it's, you know, I'll, I'll geek out, geek out on it. It's really intellectually stimulating and it's, it's really fun to experience those things. But I found that on the main stage, there would be presenters who have exceptionally strong esoteric ideas. Like, Steve, you should grow your practice and you should give your clients great service and you should get some time back in your day so that you can grow professionally and so that you have. Sounds balance. like Tony Robbins. It, it is very it's like much a pep talk. It is right. You, so, so you could have all of these things, but they never said how to do it. They never gave a process. They never assigned accountability and they walked off the stage and that was that. And so it's really motivating until I get back to my office and I think, well, that's great. How do I do it? And so what I love about supernova is it is the amalgamation of the best ideas of every financial advisor that's ever participated in earnest in practice management that either Rob or the coaches that work for Supernova or any advisor who's participated in Supernova has come up with. And it's a really interesting collective idea share. That's excellent. And and I will tell you, I, I love the podcast format, but one of the things that you miss sometimes when you do podcast, which is audios, you don't get to see the visuals. So 
Kurt brought up a comment just a second ago about it being like Tony Robbins and Mary laughed and said it is and then stared directly into his face into his face with a, it said it is and a, in a very <laughs> scary um, monotone like like yeah this is no joke because I crossed the train tracks. this is this is no <laughs> I was about to get run over <laughs> this is no joke don't you joke about Tony Robbins don't do it we're gonna have financial advisors walking on coals before the end of this <laughs> group branding. Um, I've always wanted to be a part of a cult. <laughs> all right. So let me, let me throw some things that I'm sure you've been asked before, Mary. So this all sounds good, but I don't want to get rid of clients. Can I just add someone to my team? Or, I mean, what if I don't want to do any, what if I don't want to cut? Yeah. So you can right? The only thing that's finite is time. So you have two choices. You can either right size your book with the clients who are deliberate, you know, they, they fit your minimums, your true minimums, your, the type of client who takes your advice, however you define and segment the perfect client. Either you can have only those people in your book, or you can add staff in order to accommodate the number of clients that you have. But there's there's only two choices. You can work more hours, you can hire more people, or you can right-size your practice. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Um, so as with any of our topics, you can reach uh, reach out to us at the whole truth at touchstonefunds.com and we'll help you with this. If you want to go the route of Supernova, we will certainly talk about this more uh, and on future podcasts. But hopefully uh, we did a good job of introducing the, the, the topic. I'll sum up. One is you're going from a starting case where there's probably not a lot of defined processes in your practice. You're probably managing too many relationships. Your client service is reactive to the exact opposite of that. You're, you're trimming down, focusing on only the clients that make the most sense. You're giving them an exceptional experience. You're, you're bringing processes to the practice that make everyone's life better, um, including making the CSA or CA, I should say, um, top of the pyramid. And with that, you can you can run a business that's much more efficient um, and grows with the right clients. Maybe one more thing I would want to touch on is that there's a really significant planning aspect to Supernova and the benefit to the financial plan. I mean, there are some really basic benefits that everyone's aware of, but when you are spending your time with the right clients and you're running a true financial plan, your ability to deepen the relationship with that client, meaning asset aggregation, assets held away, really understanding holistically the needs of that client, both in this generation and the next, it, it makes the assets and the relationship stronger and stickier. And that's something that I think every financial advisor, as we look at our industry and we think it might be becoming unfortunately more commoditized with all of the zero fee, you know, robo type of relationships out there. That's a key differentiator for advisors. Excellent. That's a good point. I believe in it. I do hundred percent, but I also think that there are other ways for advisors to have success. I'm just saying, here's a way to do it that has an action step to it that yields results. And guess what? It's on the other side of fear because everything sits on the other side of fear. And there are a lot of advisors who are afraid to do that stuff. Anything. So Mary, thank you so much uh, for being here today. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Hopefully you'll have me back. And I'm really impressed by the work you guys are doing and the value that you bring to advisors every day. So keep on fighting the good fight. Thank you, Mary. 
What's the takeaway from this episode? Objectively look at your business and think about whether a supernova type approach is right for you. We can certainly help you do that. You can reach out to us. You can also read about it on your own through the book, The Supernova Advisor by Rob Knapp. Costanza Corner is next. Stick with us. And welcome back to The Whole Truth. It's now time for our segment called The Costanza Corner. And first, I have a question for you, Side. Go ahead. Do you know your trash guy? Do I know my trash guy? No. I get annoyed with my trash guy because they come around with these trucks and they dump it out and it always leaves some trash at the bottom of my trash can. This isn't so I don't a just know stop that. it episode. Side. Is that, did I go down <laughs> We're the trying wrong to path? End on a high note. This is uplifting, not, <laughs> this is the okay, opposite. I got it. This so is no, George I, Costanza, not Frank Costanza. Let's, fair let's be enough, clear. Fair enough. I got that out of the way before. No, I do not know my trash guy. Why, why I, I don't either. Um, we, we do know our mail guy, but I, I don't know the guys that, that come in and pick up our trash. But there's a great story I read this week about two guys in Miami named Saul and Keon where they were such good trash guys for their neighborhoods that they threw them a big block party. And apparently these guys are so good, they actually one time spent 45 minutes helping dig through the trash to help find a ring that a lady lost. So wow. very endeared duo there in the neighborhood. They had a whole big block party, the whole neighborhood. They even invited the mayor of Miami. The mayor of Miami went to the block party just to show their appreciation and say thanks to these guys. And oh, that's I, legit. I'd love messages that treat people less fortunate that do like menial, you know, think of micro dirty jobs, you know, just elevating those people in our society and and giving them the gratitude that they deserve. So I I just, I saw that story and I loved it. I, I think that's great. And one of the positives, I always like to look at positives of the coronavirus is we're all starting to rethink, you know how important certain essential personnel are and what that Who looks is essential. Like, you know? Yes. So for example, like the people at the grocery store and during the middle of a pandemic, they had to come in and they were like front lines. So stores like that are, are absolutely incredible. So thanks a lot, Kurt. We appreciate that. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. You can find the whole truth and subscribe for free on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you took the time to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It helps others find the show. And for more episodes of The Whole Truth, go to www.touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth. That's touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth. All one word. Please note that this content was created as of the specific date indicated and reflects views as of that date. It will be kept solely for historical purposes and opinions may change without notice in reacting to shifting economic, market, business, and other conditions. Touchstone funds are distributed by Touchstone Securities Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer and member FINRA and SIPC.